It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. Thank you so much for joining us this week. So this month, if you do not know, is Pastor Appreciation Month. So as Tabitha and I began to talk about that and what we can do, we thought this would be a great opportunity to speak to a pastor and his wife to help our listeners be able to encourage and uplift their own pastors and their family, and not only through the month of October, but all year long. So I want to begin by introducing our special guest today. It's Dr. John and Miss Debbie Dell. Um, John is my pastor, and I um, he served as my pastor from the time that I was around 18 years old until I was around 33, so for 15 years um, together they mentored, loved, and encouraged me, and after Derek and I got married, um, Pastor John asked us to teach, or asked him to teach an adult Sunday school class, and Derek had never done anything like that before, um, but that was the beginning of his journey in ministry, just teaching a Sunday school class led to youth ministry, which led to us ultimately leaving our church in order to pursue God's calling, and I will never forget that both of you, as we were leaving our church, celebrated us. Y'all, we had a little party, and y'all <laughs> celebrated us well as God was sending us out. And it was really hard for me during that time. Um, but Miss Debbie specifically, I remember texting you several weeks into that saying, oh my goodness, I miss you guys so much. But God was opening up doors, and you just graciously um, just encouraged me through that time. And so Miss Debbie walks alongside her husband with so much grace. And when I thought of how I could describe you, that was the word that just came to my mind is that you were just full of grace. And I'm going to start crying because you guys mean so much to me. <laughs> but I've watched you. Um, I know you don't like the spotlight a lot, but I've watched you go to altars and pray with people and deliver meals and just encourage people so much. And being a pastor's wife now, I have learned so much from you. So you both truly are the salt of the earth, and I'm thankful um, that God has allowed me to grow and learn under your ministry. And so I just want to thank you all for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Yeah, so would yeah. you all just mind sharing a little bit about yourselves, what you would like for our listeners to know about you? Well, Deb, you go first. She's the, she's the main one. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Okay, I was born and raised in Waycross, Georgia. I have one sister, Linda, and I'm from a divorced family. As a child, my parents were not saved, but I do thank the Lord that later on in life they did get saved. I married my husband when I was 20 years old. We have two boys, Corey and Matt. We started Bible Baptist Church in Waycross in 1988, and my husband pastored there for 13 years. And when I was 42, Five years old, the Lord moved us to Gainesville, and my husband pastored Merville Baptist for 22 years. And now here we are today on a different journey. Brother John? Uh, my testimony is pretty much 
similar to Debbie's other than I wasn't in a divorced home or anything. I had great parents, um, but we weren't church-going people. My dad would go to a United Methodist Church if it was convenient. And uh, I grew up, married Deb, like she said, and, and at the age of 29 years old, I was up under heavy conviction about my life. I was a locomotive red engineer for the railroad, and uh, but my life was so empty. I had it made as far as money, job, everything went, but my life was just empty. And at the age of 29, a preacher came by and knocked on my door and invited me to church. And being upon a conviction, I thought, uh, psh, nothing, you know. But that coming Sunday, I got up and I told Deb, I said, get ready. She said, for what? I said, we're going to church. She said, do what? <laughs> and I said, yeah, we're going to church. Well, long story short, November 21st, 1982, I bowed my knees to Jesus Christ. And uh, he graciously saved me. I was a, I was a very much a sinner, but God forgave me and saved me, took me in as His child, and here I am today. And I am what I am by the grace of God. That was in 1982, 1988. I was well when I got saved. I didn't even own a Bible. Yeah. I did not know anything about the Word of God. Went out and bought one was the first thing I did. And uh, it just, I started eating and drinking and consuming the Word of God. And even to this day, I, I do that every day of my life. I just love the book. And uh, anyway, in 1988, six years after I was saved, I had a burden to start a church in my hometown of Waycross, which I did in a little storefront building. And uh, my mind just flashed back to many, many, many memories of those days and the, the pleasures and joys and the heartbreaks that I experienced through all of that. But wouldn't take anything from a journey of what God's allowed me to do thus far. Love that. Yeah. Well, Miss Debbie, I'd also like to ask you about your salvation, just because I know a little bit of your backstory and knowing that you were saved after you became a pastor's wife. So I think that it could be very encouraging for a lot of our listeners, um, maybe who have been in church but have doubted their salvation, to have the courage to make that move and to confess the Lord of their lives. So would you share just a little bit of your testimony and how you came to know the Lord? Yes, I would be glad to. Like I said, I was not raised in a Christian home, um, but I knew going to church was right. I knew there was a God, and God blessed me with some good friends when I was, well, before my teenage years, and I was able to go to church with them. And when I was about 12 years old, we went to a youth retreat. And all I remember at that, re at that youth retreat is the pastor said, if you don't want to go to hell but want to go to heaven, you need to come down. Well, I did with my friends. We went down, and we were told to repeat a prayer after him, which we did. And after that, we were told we were saved. So being a good girl, wanting to go to church, you know, doing all the right things, what I thought were the right things. I know now that I was a sinner, but I thought I was saved by, by that prayer. And... um. When I was 18 years old, I met John Dale. 
and I was still going to church. And she wouldn't date me unless I did go to church. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't date him. She unless was he warned did. about going out with John Dale. So. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. 1976, we were married. And six months after we got married, we got up to go to church one morning, and he said, I'm not going. He said, I don't want to stop you. I want you to go on, but I'm not going. Well, we hadn't been married long, so I thought, they'll think we're having trouble if if we (laughs) don't go go to church. I'd go by myself, so I didn't go. So I got out of church at that point. In 1981, we had our oldest son, Corey, and then in 1982, like my husband was saying, he got saved. And when he got saved, it was the real deal. Yeah. It you was, saw a big change in his life. I did. I, it, was, it, was compl- it was night and day. It really was. Yeah. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Mm-hmm. Yes. I saw that literally with my own eyes. I did. And I loved it. I loved it. I thought, well, our family's going to get back in church. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, just, it was just a happy time for me. And I might add, he got saved in a Bible-believing church. Yeah. yeah. Um, the church that I had went to, I never remember being under conviction. I was never, I don't ever remember being encouraged to read my Bible and grow I just went to church. You just yeah. knew it was the right thing to go to church. I did. But yep. And I went, the way I went in, I came out the same way. Yeah. Never yeah. any change. But after my husband got saved, for the first time, I started hearing the Word of God preached and taught. And I started learning about heaven and hell, sin, eternity, mm-hmm. encouraged to read my Bible. And it, it was just so different. And he had been saved, I think, six years. Was six and years. I started the church. Then yeah, maybe we three started more years. Bible Baptist Church. Yeah. Okay. Three more years, and then she got under conviction at uh, at a that given time in her life. Yeah, it was in 1990. Yeah. We had started Bible Baptist Church, yeah. and and um, I had been the pastor's wife for three years. And God started working in my heart heavily. And I would have thoughts like, if you die, you're going to a devil's hell. Oh, man. And I would have thoughts like, if you die, you're going to be separated from your husband and your boys Mm. forever. And by that time, we had two children, Matt and Corey. I was so confused in my mind. And I don't... I know now why I couldn't talk to anyone about it. God was cornering me up. Yeah. But at that time, I, I just, I was just, it felt like in torment. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was very confused. And I kept going back to that prayer that I had prayed at that youth meeting. You know, I thought, Lord, I prayed the prayer. I asked you to mm-hmm. save me. And yeah. I'm, just, I'm just so confused. And... Um, I can't tell you how many nights my family would be asleep and I would bow down in front of our sofa and I would cry out to the Lord. I'd say, God, if I'm not saved, save me. And I meant that. I mean, I was just, I I was really up under conviction heavily. But I would do that and there would still be no peace. Mm -hmm. I would go back to bed crying, 
wetting my pillow with tears until I would fall asleep. And that just happened over and over and over for a year. Well, in 1991, we had what we called in Waycross a Thank God I'm Free Revival. We had Brother Milton Taylor in preaching, and the Corbett family, James and Nancy, and their children singing. And that week that they were in on Wednesday, I had everyone over to our house for lunch. And sitting around fellowshipping at the table after we ate, Sister Nancy Corbett started giving her testimony. And she said they were in, the, uh, in a revival, and she said out of nowhere, she said the Lord revealed to her she was lost. And he said, Nancy, you've been on the road singing about me all of these years, and you don't even know me. Wow, wow that's amazing. And there I was sitting in front of her, <laughs> and I had tears in my eyes, and I was just so miserable. I was saying, Lord, don't let them see these tears <laughs> in my eyes. And um, but the Lord revealed to me that day, sitting at our dining room table, that I was lost. And um, I didn't do anything about it right then. Yeah. They left, and I was, I was just so anxious and, and nervous. Um, the Lord just said, Debbie, you're not a singer, but you're the pastor's wife, and you don't even know me. Mm-hmm. said, you've got religion, but you don't have a relationship with me. So anyway, that afternoon after they left, I went and got in the shower to get ready for church. And, and of all weeks and of all nights, I had nursery that night. And I prayed. I said, Lord, get me out of the nursery. I knew what I needed to do. And um, when we got to church, I ended up in the nursery. I had two small children, and I was back there by myself. And where I was, I could hear the music. And um, I heard the music, and it would get very quiet. And I would hear the music, and it would get very quiet. And I I didn't know what was going on, but in a little bit, the nursery door flew open. And it was a young mother in our church, and she said, Miss Debbie, it is so good out there. She said, you won't believe what's going on. I said, what's going on, Mary? She said, Miss Nancy gave her testimony. Others are testifying. She said, people are getting saved. She said, it is so good. And before I could say anything, she walked out the door and shut the door. Oh, wow. Oh, and my goodness. And I thought, Lord, what's You're just going to leave me back here? Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard the music, and it would get quiet, and I would hear the music, and it would get quiet again. Well, in a little while, the door flew open again, and there was Mary. And she said, Miss Debbie, it is so good. She said, I just got saved. Oh, wow. (laughs) And she was a church member. And I got up and hugged her, you know, and just rejoiced with her. And she turned around and walked out (laughs) and shut the door. Oh, my goodness. And there I was again. And I heard (sighs) the same thing, the music, the quietness. Well, for the third time, the door flew open, and there was Mary. She grabbed one child. She said, Miss Debbie, come on. You can't miss any more of this. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I flew to the altar. I barely remember walking out that door, but I know I did, and I was crying. I had mascara everywhere. and Mm, She did. (laughs) I remember getting to the altar, and I just looked at my husband, and I said, I'm lost. (laughs) And Nancy Corbett bowed with me at the altar. And nobody had to tell me what to say, and there was no if 
I'm lost. I knew I was a sinner and needed to be saved. And I called on the Lord to save me. And that's the night the pastor's wife got saved. Wow. Yeah. I love that Man. story. I love I, I have love never it. heard that. I'm like, I don't even know if I, I know, can I'm talk now. Um, well, it's just a great reminder to so many people. I love what you said, that you had religion, but you didn't yep. have a relationship. Yes. And how many people maybe listening to this podcast is just some kind of entertainment or who may be out there going to church just because they know that that's the right thing to do, but they've never bowed their knees and And, recognized that they were a sinner in need of a savior. I love what Deb said when she would bow at the the couch. She said, Lord, if Mm -hmm. um, that's not faith, that's doubt. Yeah. That's starting out with doubt. Right. And we're saved by faith. Faith. Yeah. And so when she finally got to that point where she knew she was a sinner, yeah. mm-hmm. and she came to him and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, so that did it. That yeah, did it. Yes. <laughs> that did it. Man, I, I love, love that testimony. testimony. I'm so yeah. glad you shared that. Thank yeah. you so much. And it's so important what church we go to. It we, is, yeah. We need to go to a church that teaches believing. the Word of God, love teaches that. the truth. Hearing that gospel. And all yes. that comes to mind is the the repeat this prayer after me. I think so many times I've heard it. I've listened to churches in our neighboring area and they'll say that, say this. Now raise your hand who got saved, Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's just, they're Impersonal. misleading so many people it is. by that. And so it's very good to know. And they're missing sometimes the conviction part. Yes. That the Holy Spirit convicts. We were, it reveals they to draw us you that we are a sinner. Yeah. And yeah. the Holy Spirit draws us. And yeah, so that's just absolutely. a great reminder um, that, you know, if you're out there and you're listening and maybe you just don't have it right, like you're, you, you have those doubts, like Miss Debbie talked about, you know, maybe you followed some friends down to an altar when you were a teenager, mm-hmm. or, you know, you said a flippant prayer at some point, but you never had that convicting Holy Spirit draw yes. you that, you know, it's time to get that right. Yeah. It's time to recognize that and to, to pray. You know? It is. Yes. So, Brother John, looking back over Mm -hmm. your years in ministry, what would you say was the most challenging part? Uh, There's so many challenges to being a pastor. Pastor. Picking one would probably be (laughs) hard, right? Yeah. Um, After 35 years pastoring two fabulous churches, uh, I guess some of the most challenging things for for a pastor just starting out maybe is the the pressures that he's going to feel to either change or conform. Yeah. Conform to what we are, conform to how we do it, right. or change into this, change into that. And and being a preacher that that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important thing. That's no right. matter what kind of pressures may be put on from outside sources. That's one of the challenges, but I guess one of the biggest challenges is uh, is dealing with the the traumatic things of your people. Mm. I'll never forget, and I believe you were there, Tabitha, the year that Missy died. Mm. Yeah, she was such that. an integral part of our church, and when I got news that I needed to get to the hospital, I was not prepared. They don't cover that in preacher's manuals. Right, yeah. You know, there's no way to outline this no so i got to the hospital and i learned about what had happened and then i was told you need to call her parents and let them know Mm -hmm. Mm. 
and I did not want to be the one. And when I called, they were in, in Atlanta. He was doing some work, and he and his wife were both down there. And I said, Leo, y'all need to come to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Difficult. I couldn't imagine. And that day when they rounded the corner and I mm. told them what had happened, that, that man, which is three times my size, just fell across me. And going through things like that as a pastor, is that's the tough places. I've always said that the Lord allows pastors to preach just to give them something to enjoy because there's so many hard, hard, challenging, right. heartbreaking mm-hmm. things that you see and experience. It's not like you're on the outside. You're in there with them, with them. Yeah. experiencing all of that. You know, that's, We that's had tough. one pastor at one time. He said, when people ask me what I do, I tell them, I deal with the 1% of your life, the 1% that you have nobody else to call on, Um, the tragic, the joys, but it's that 1%, you know, where everything else may be going fine that you need somebody to call on right then, I deal in that. Like, that's not that you're God, but you are that one person that that people call call on. You're that representative of the Mm -hmm. Lord, you know, for them. And they're going through the heart-rending, crushing moments, and there you stand. And that's when your reliance upon the Lord has got to be so very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Christ said it the best. Without me, you You're can not. do nothing. Right, right, yeah. And, uh, and it's in those times that that's proven so true. It's true. Would you say there's more challenges for new pastors these days than when you started? Absolutely. Yeah. We're dealing with things in, in our days that the old-time preachers that I was raised under never even fathomed in their minds, you know. Uh, absolutely. There's so many challenges out there and, and nuances that we're having to, to face and be challenged with. Yeah. A lot more. Absolutely. So in contrast to that, what brought you the most joy? Can you think of a service, revival meeting, camp meeting, something you were a part of that you still can't get over? Yes, ma'am. The day she got saved. <laughs> After yeah, hearing that story, I was like, that yes. had to be the moment. Hey, you should have been the imagine. pastor that day. I was standing up on the platform, and here came my wife walking down the aisle with mascara running everywhere. <laughs> And I looked down at her. She, I said, what is it? She said, I'm lost. I said, well, get down and get saved. <laughs> that you could have ran <laughs> out the of the Lord doors had her that, that day. Far. He'd take her the rest yeah. of the way. So, and that's, that's right. That's one of those times. There was a, I've been in so many meetings um, down through the years that are so etched in my, my heart. I remember one when I was pastoring down south in Waycross, we had a revival with Brother Jay Glass, who's, bless his memory, already gone to be with the Lord. And we had a week's revival scheduled with the revival broke out. I told the men of the church right before we went into revival, I said, fill the baptistry. We're going to use it every night. And they did, and we did. Wow, that's good. Every amazing. night we were baptizing somebody that just got saved during that meeting. We extended the meeting, and the and the meeting kept going on and on and on. And uh, just times like that, just like I say, etched in my spirit, you know, never forget times like that. 
This is just off the cuff. But those meetings that you hear about that went on for days and days and so many saved, even hundreds saved at some of these old camp meetings. Do you think we'll see times like that again? That's up to the Lord. And then, <laughs> I know people talk about it all the time. Like, will we see it again? I say it's up to the Lord. It's up to the Lord and his people. If yeah. my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn. From their wicked even, ways. Even God's people still need to repent, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. I preach a message on uh, the prayer God wants to hear. And that from that text, if my people, if, that's a Mm, big little word. word. Yeah. Yeah. If. Well, being a pastor's wife now, and this is why I brought you guys in, because I can't really say a lot of this stuff right now. I'm in the middle of it. (laughs) But there are two things that I struggle with at times. And number one is feeling like I always have to have the right answers when sometimes I just don't know what to say. But then also number two You know, you talked about the hard times and how you're carrying those burdens of other people, but also your own because you're going through things, whether it's parenthood or marriage or, you know, friendships, whatever it may be, um, and you're wanting to be there for for them. What advice would you offer to other pastor families in balancing personal and ministry? Trust God through it all. Um, There was, I remember one time in particular in my own personal life, I was going through some, it was all me. It was just personal battles, inner battles that I was facing. Um, And without going into anything, it was just struggles that I was having personally. Well, then I was stepping behind the pulpit Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and, uh, and having to, I don't want to call it performing, but preach. To, to help other people. And there I was, yeah, just yourself. twisted on the inside. i tell you how bad it got. I got so twisted, I could not even pray. Mm. And when a preacher can't pray, wow. mm. you know, I mean, I'd get up with some, a message on my heart, but I could not even bathe it in prayer. And I, I was so twisted that I had to steal a prayer from the Syrophoenician woman in in the Gospels, where she said, Lord, help me. And that's all I could pray at that time. God, help me, help me, please. I don't know what I'm going through, but please help me. And still, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, behind the pulpit. And those times where you... You're struggling with things like that, the, the personal things. You've got to trust God to have the right answers for others yeah. that approach you. You're going through all that struggle, and here's somebody comes up, Brother John, Miss Tab, I need to talk to you about our marriage. We need help. Mm-hmm. And trusting God to give you the right words to say in that season of moment, yeah. you know, uh, the Thank God we have him to trust, oh, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What, how would any of us make it? I mean, I've often said it like this in a congregation of people. We've all been through enough to knock every one of us out, but here we are. We're yeah. still here. Yeah, yep, we're still here. If we were still judged by the Old Testament days, none of us would be here. <laughs> <right now. laughs> I say that all the time, reading Thanks back through, and I'm like, Lord, thank you, Jesus, because I would not be here today if we were still living under the law, right? 
Um, Debbie, could you, I mean, speak to that as well, how you balance being a preacher's wife and some of those things that you had to deal with? Well, first I would say my calling is to my husband mm-hmm. first and, my, and the family. And God is a, a God of order. And I, th- I think if we stay in order yeah, the way like that, that we should, yes, ma'am. God would, will take care of the rest. Yeah, I like that. To keep, a, to keep a balance with ministry, family, you've got to be intentional yeah. with that family time. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, I'll get to that. You've got to be very intentional mm-hmm. to make it happen. Because then your family, you're helping everybody else. Yeah. But then your family suffers. Too sometimes your own. Family. I've often I've often said about this about the ministry that the ministry is very simple. It's adhering to a very strict schedule with constant interruption. <laughs> that's simple. That, am I right about it? Just yeah, that's yeah, true. I mean that's so ministry. That's you true. you go to, through this thing day in day out, and all of a sudden a bomb hits, and you got to be there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I, we were actually just talking through that as we've been going through, as we're recording this, we're just finishing up the fruit of the spirit and just how, you know, our, our schedules are so like tedious, I guess. And we're trying to stick to all they of this are. stuff. And then one thing, you know, whether it's we're for us, it's time been bomb, our kids, you know? but yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> one thing is like, it blows everything up and then it's like, okay, I don't know how we're supposed to handle this, but we'll. <laughs> We manage because of God. He just, he helps us through that. So I don't know how people do it without, without him. Without that's for him. sure. Yeah. So having been in ministry for years now, um, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first began pastoring? I guess I wish I had known the complexity of being a pastor. Um, a pastor wears many hats, but there's three hats that a pastor better be aware of and attend to. The one one of the hats that he wears is a preacher. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Those seasons like we were talking about where you're going through things, the seasons when you're not. Yeah. In season, out of season. In season when, it's, when the church is thriving, out of season when the church is dead and needs re- resurrecting. So there's the preaching aspect of pastoring, but then there's the pastoring aspect. And pastoring is those times when you personally interact with people. Yeah. But then this is a, a, an aspect of, mini- of pastoring that a lot of preachers don't focus on, and that's leadership. He wrote to Titus, and he said, Titus, I'm leaving you at Crete so that you can set in... Th- order the things that are wanting that takes leadership so there's preaching there's the pastoring there's the leadership yeah and leading god's people like moses led god's people yep you know being that leader out front Mm -hmm. and and serving those people in the ways of god and leading them that way and i wish i had have known those three aspects of ministry you know in the early part of the book of acts they had, the church was growing so fast they had problems come up. Well, the disciples said, we've got to tend to these problems, but we need you to tend to it because we've got to take, take our time with the Word of God and prayer. 
and for a preacher to understand where he needs to stay. Yeah. He needs to stay in that book and on his knees in prayer to be able to really minister to those people. That's where helpers come in for the church to help with some of the other things. Especially as the ministry grows like it was in the early part of the book of Acts. You've got to delegate. There's other people that God has placed in that congregation to tend to those things. Well, it's just even we talked about the other week with Moses started out being the only person that everybody in the all the Israelites came to for all their problems, you know, and then his father-in-law is like, you his can't handle this. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't do this. Something's you can't do all this. Yeah. And so you it's will. Some, You'll burn out yeah, quick. You will. If you try to, and I, to do and it all. When I started the church in Waycross, I was the preacher. I was the pastor. I was the plumber. I was mm. the painter. Yeah. I took up the offerings. I counted the money. You, know? you were everything. Yeah. I cleaned the church. You know. Yeah. And then you've got to learn how to delegate, and and that's where God places certain ones in a ministry to help to handle you those that. things. Yeah. So as yeah. we mentioned, it is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I know that many church members may be thinking of how they can support their pastor's family. So when you look back on pastoring, what was something that your congregants did that really encouraged you and your family? The little things. It was always the little things. Um, preacher, I prayed for you today. Mm-hmm. You know, the, those things like that, the little cards you know, just expressing to you, I want you to know I've been thinking about you and praying for you mm-hmm. and your family. Those little things is what just means so much to a pastor. The big things are nice, you know, the $1,000 bonus, the 10 <laughs> <laughs> You know, those things are nice, yeah. but it's those little things that carry you through. Encouragement. All the way through. And I can honestly say, after 35 years of pastoring God's people, I loved every moment of it. I did. I loved pastoring God's people. I I did. So living in the home with a pastor, I see a lot of the behind the scenes things that take place, you know, the sermon preparation, all the prayer. I think the sermon prep takes longer than what people think. I think they just think you get up there and you just, but it takes a lot of intentionality Mm -hmm. and study counseling. You know, they really do so much more than preach. I know it's a, you know, an ongoing joke sometimes that you just work on Sundays Three and Wednesdays, whatever week. it is. Yeah. But what are some aspects of pastoral ministry that are most commonly misunderstood by the average church member that you wish that they knew? Uh, the the preparation and the time that you have to spend alone with the Lord in that preparation. It's not so much you preparing, but God preparing you. Mm-hmm. But now, it, the, the book does say study. To show thyself approved unto God, a workman. There is work involved yeah. in studying and preparing a message because you want it rightly divided. You don't want to be placing something from the Old Testament that applies strictly to Israel on mm-hmm. the church. You want to rightly divide it and give it to your people because the most, the hardest thing for a pastor or any preacher to remember when he steps behind that pulpit is I'm there to feed the sheep. Yeah. Yeah. He said, the feed shepherd. my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed, feed my, my sheep. sheep. Feed my sheep. Yep. Feed them. Feed them. Right. And that is our ministry and our whole purpose behind this thing is to make sure those sheep get, and from Genesis to Revelation, sheep food. 
Yeah. A whole it. book of sheep food. Sheep food. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So from a pastor's perspective, what makes a good church member? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that. No, we're, not really trying to, we're not trying to get you on this side. <laughs> no. Um, a good church member. I've got a message I preach on the perfect church member. And I took a text out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 23, which says this, Rejoice evermore. That's a good quality yeah, for a church right? member. Pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. That's another good aspect. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. A thankful church member. Quench not the spirit. Don't mm-hmm. sit there and quench the spirit. I mean, that that's not good for anybody. Despise not prophesyings. Don't despise the preaching. It may hurt. Yeah. Listen to what the man's saying. Receive it as the word of God and let God work in your heart. Prove all things. Make sure. Study your Bible yourself. Don't don't be somebody that says, "Well, my preacher says it's like this." Be somebody that are that are getting your Bible and and study yourself. Uh, abstain from all appearance of evil, which is your personal life. If it looks wrong, don't even go there. Don't even do that. Don't say that. Mm-hmm. Don't be around that if it's looking wrong. And uh, then he goes on to say that. The God of peace will sanctify you wholly. That's good makings of a good church member. Very good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So what can you say to someone listening that may have gotten out of church simply because they got hurt in church in the past? And I have an old... I have a personal story of this myself. So it's it's a really... It's a question that hits home to me. I was out of church for eight years because I got hurt in church. So what can you tell someone listening well, Tabitha's dad used to say, get over it. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, that sounds just like <laughs> Uncle Terry. <laughs> yeah, sounds yep. just like him. Yep. Uh, but hurts are real. Um, you'll get hurt at work. You'll oh, yeah. get hurt within the family. Yep. Hurts are just a part of life. This is, this is not heaven yet. So what do you do with hurts? I say study and look at the life of Jesus Christ. Mm. Look at him. He was despised, rejected, a man acquainted Mm -hmm. with grief, full of sorrows. He was totally, he came into his own and his own received him not. He didn't have a thing in life. Look at what he went through in a hurtful way so that we could be saved. He had a, behind every hurt, I believe, is a purpose. Mm -hmm. His, His hurts were purposeful in that. He was doing it for us, doing it so that we could be saved. And hurts hurt. They do. And hurting people hurt others. Oh, that's right. You know, not only do we get hurt, we hurt people. I've hurt many down through the years. They've hurt me. And uh, I I preach a message on how to go to church and survive. And Mm. it deals with that one aspect of how do you handle the hurts. And they're very real, but you have got, that's when your time with the Lord has got to be even more intense and intentional, and you draw closer to him than ever before. He said that we are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Mm -hmm. When we enter into a hurt, we're experiencing something that Christ experienced, you know, and we're realizing a reality of what our Savior went through for us. And so that's 
that's all part of God's training and teaching us. And you go to church with a bunch of sinners just like, you know, I mean, it's Absolutely. everybody thinks that, oh, well, church people shouldn't act this way. And sometimes they shouldn't, right? But but it's but they do. And, and I hear a lot of times, oh, well, I'm not going to church anymore. It's just full of a bunch yep. of hypocrites. How often do you hear that? And so I think every day us as Christians who are going to church and who are working in ministry need to constantly die to ourselves and be saying, are we that person? Are we, yep. how do we act and out in the yeah. world? And are we keeping people from coming to church, you know, yep. by the way we act? And so I don't know. I, I know I was young. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I was young when I was in my early twenties when we got out, but I was out of church for eight years. I always knew I would get back in, but I was that hurt. I cannot believe people in my church would do this. You know, to my family, Absolutely. it was just, Absolutely. and it was, why do I need to be around that? If I can be, I can be around that in the world. I mean, I literally thought that, but as I got older and I had my son, I always knew I wanted my kids in church. Mm -hmm. I, I was raised in church. I wanted my kids in church. And so we got back in, but that getting back in was hard. Oh yeah. It was hard. Oh, I yeah. constantly felt like I was being beat. It, it was just, I mean, I was questioning everything because you get out so long and you think, I don't need church. What do I need church for? And then getting back in, it was it was very hard, but I realized how important church is. So I guess if I can say anything to you, if you're questioning that, if you've been hurt, there's find you another church. Yeah. God will lead you somewhere else. Don't get out. It is yeah. so hard to get back in. No. Yeah. So the best thing in. is to try your best to reconcile yes. within the body of Christ because you go to another church, you're going to face the same, same one. Thing. You're right. I've so, told pastors yeah. we've... We've ordained and sent out six men out of Merville during my 22 years there. And I told every one of those preachers, I said, when you leave here, you're going to bump into a Terry Ransom at that other yeah. church. You're going to bump you into a Scott Tanner. That mean, old, that mean you know? old deacon. That mean <laughs> I mean, you'll find the same scenarios yeah. in every church. Right. So we're, we're sinners. Yeah. You're right. You know, and we, this is not heaven. No, I, thank God it's not, yeah. right? And the scriptures say about Christ said that he, this is so powerful, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Mm. That pain, that hurt, oh, that's good. that he carried. He learned something. And through every hurt, there's something for us to learn. Oh, most we definitely, talked yeah. in Before we started airing, we talked about how we love to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's tough learning. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is, yeah. yeah. It's tough true. love. But it's you know? worth the learning it. It is. It is. That's true. Because we're, we're, we're feeling something that our Savior felt. Mm, I've never even thought about it that way, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Puts it in per into perspective yeah. of why we go through yeah. some of the things that we do. But um, week after week, I know you stand before a church full of people, and you, you've done your best, and you deliver a message, and you trying to compel them to live for the Lord. And I know that that is such a great responsibility. I see, even with Derek, just the burden of that on a pastor's shoulders. So I guess this question is more for me as a, as a pastor's wife and coming from that perspective. But, Brother John, how did Miss Debbie encourage mm -hmm. you most when you maybe were feeling the weight of that responsibility? Well, after pastoring 35 years, I resigned every Monday. <laughs> I'm done. She told you to go away. I, I quit. That was the worst sermon ever preached on planet Earth. And my wife would say, Well, let me tell you what I got out of it. 
you know. Yeah. It was a blessing to me. And she was always, and let me tell you this, this is how she encouraged me. She never let me have a pity party. Mm. <laughs> I was so wanting to have some pity parties. Yes. I remember one time in particular, I'd been at a camp meeting, and I came back on the biggest wave of a pity party I've ever been on. And I told her, I said, baby, I said, you and the boys would be better off without me. And she said, well, go on and die. <laughs> go on and go to heaven. Just go on up there and walk the streets and go, men, you're young and wind up in the projects. Go on. You know, so I funny. thought, wow, what a companion in life. What a blessing. And she brought me right out of I that pity that. Yeah. Get over yourself. Suck it yeah. up. That was yeah. that moment. Suck it up, she buttercup. would not let me have a – I wanted a pity party. I needed it. She would not let me have it, so that's why you encourage Derek. Yeah, well, I, we have had moments. I think there was not too long ago he preached a sermon, and I get, I don't know if he was looking for me to say something. I just said, well, it wasn't your bed. And he was like, thanks a lot. Yeah. You know, but then there will be ones that he's like, I don't think that was good. And I'm like, what it's kind of the same situation. Yeah. Like, this is what I heard. This is what I heard yeah. you saying. And it really spoke to me. And I know that it did other people. So, you know, we have to keep that humility in there sometimes, that's, too. Yeah. That's, you know? where we get, that's where the preacher gets to thinking, well, I've got to perform. No, we're yeah. there to preach the word. Yeah, preach the word. You know? That's true. And that's a hard thing to keep in perspective and balance. Well, because normally when you would stand in front of someone and deliver a speech to them, yep. It is for vainglory. It yep. is for yourself. Yep. But in this capacity as a pastor, you are delivering the word of God. And how? once again, that's a huge responsibility, but it's not for yourself. Mm-mm. And that's probably hard. That's where that dying to yourself. and We just deliver the mail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of them are hard. I mean, even since we've been to Talma with Derek going through the Sermon on the Mount, like some of the topics are hard topics, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you look and you see some of the things that Jesus covered in that, and mm-hmm. you know it's going to step on some toes. And you even know situations within yeah. people in the body of Christ there that it's going to touch on this person. And it's like you never want to hurt somebody, but you also have to allow the text and the Word of God Absolutely. to speak and work through them. You can't avoid a topic just because it may hurt one person's feelings in there. But as I think long so as you're delivering it well, preachers you know, the way do that God it now, though. They, just, they, yeah. they will skip over sensitive topics just because they don't yeah, want to go there. You know, oh, yeah. So finding preachers that will Jesus preach it. Jesus would use the shock and awe method. Yeah. yeah. Bam. And oh, yeah. Things, whoa, what did he what say? Did he say? Yes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Did he really just? I mean, even in the Beatitudes, blessed, which means happy. Happy are the poor. Yes. I'm happy because I'm poor in spirit. What are you The ones that mourn. I'm I'm down on the bottom. Lord, what do you (laughs) mean I'm happy? You know, all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. So true. Well, Miss Debbie, I'll ask you a similar question as pastors' wives. You know, we do help carry those same burdens just from a different perspective. So, how would you say that Brother John encouraged you when the weight of ministry was feeling extra heavy on you? I would say he always, always pointed me to the cross. There would be things that would come up in our lives, issues that we would pray about and, you know, seem like not get an answer as soon as we wanted an answer. Mm-hmm. But he would always say, we've got to trust the Lord. He can work it out and, and do much better at it than we can. Yeah, I like that. So. so do you have a funny story that happened in ministry that you could share? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could write a book. We hope so. Well, let's hear some <laughs> yeah, of those. Yeah. There are so many. Um, one in particular, Deb and I were talking about this 
yesterday, I think it was, there was a certain, when I was pastoring in Waycross, the doors opened one day, and a man walked in. He was a young, single guy. I won't give his name or anything like that, but it was a, a strange situation. Long story short, he uh, was one of those that would try every fiber of of nerve that a preacher's got in him. And uh, to tell you how bad it was, he was the kind that you smelled him before you oh, saw no. him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he stunk. He stunk. He stunk. I went to Walmart and bought him deodorant, toothpaste, soap, everything you can think of. I, I washed I his clothes. Oh, wow. Deb washed his clothes. <laughs> I brought him the stuff. I said, <laughs> I said, please take this. Well, the next week he came back and he smelled even worse. And I said, didn't you use the stuff? He said, I'm allergic to it. <laughs> In other words, you know, leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. my goodness. Then he, he told me one day at church, he said, I'm a Christian drummer. I said, you're a what? He said, I'm a Christian drummer. He said, I got a full set of drums at the house. I'll bring them. I said, don't bring the drums. I don't have a thing against drums in a church, but I, I've got a thing against him playing. Yeah. <laughs> Certain people playing the drums. So we come to church one Sunday morning, and there's this long homemade trailer on the front porch of the church. I'm thinking, oh, what no. on earth? And I open the doors, and I hear, <laughs> he's got the full setup oh, on no. the platform already set up. Oh, no. And, and my... I heard you talking about meekness. Uh-huh. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. I walked on. I said, what are you doing? He said, God told me to bring them. I said, well, the pastor's telling you to get them out. I started slinging high hats and taunting. Oh, man, it was it was. Oh, funny. you didn't let him play his drums? No, 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 no. <laughs> No. Oh my goodness! Somebody else could have knew. That is not so this funny. Because he was, he wanted detention. He another did. pastor friend of ours says that uh, church is like a fruit cake; it's full of nuts. Full of nuts. <laughs> and full uh, nuts. the longer I go on, the more I'm like, man, that is so true. And the biggest one in my case was standing behind the pulpit. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. The biggest nut. No, no, no. no. That is not true. true. <laughs> So we always ask in all of our episodes, what's the purpose? So Tabitha, what's the purpose in having John and Debbie come in and be with us today? Well, the purpose of us talking with Pastor John and Miss Debbie today is that we want to not only encourage any families that serve in ministry, but also to remind those that are a part of a local church that your pastor's families are human too. We love our churches, but we also thought it might be beneficial to hear the struggles and the joys of ministry. Hebrews 13, 15 through 18 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably. And I was just thinking, you know, pastoring comes, as I've said, over and over with such a great responsibility. But that pastor that you are in subjection under, he will be held accountable by God on how he leads the church. 
he and his family, they make sacrifices, but there is so much joy to be found in ministry. There's a charge found in this verse as well. Pray for him and encourage him with the joy of the Lord. And I think that goes back to the scripture that you shared as well, you know, being joyful and not always looking for the bad and whatever is going on. He's not going to be perfect. He's going to make mistakes, but pray for him and encourage him and uplift him any chance that you get. So we also end all of our episodes with a challenge. So Brother John, I'm going to ask you this to give our challenge this week. What is something that we could challenge our listeners to do this week to encourage their pastor's family? Pray. Pray every day for your pastor. Um, Intentionally. He needs it. it. Yeah. He, He thrives on that. And a lot of people don't understand this, but a congregation will be used by the Lord to build that preacher. Just as that preacher is there to help build that congregation, that congregation and what they put that preacher through is helping to either mold or destroy. Yeah. And so being aware of the the roles, each, each every individual in the church is important, and we play a role in being that encourager and prayer warrior on the behalf of your pastor. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, you know, I mentioned, of course, that John is a pastor, but not only is he a pastor, but he is an author as well. And he has published several books based on the Old and New Testament books, as well as the Beatitudes and the Kingdom's One King. And if you happen to pick up his book on Ecclesiastes, you might even see a story for mine and Derek's wedding when Brother John shared about us braiding a threefold cord during the ceremony. Um, Ashley, did you have anything else you wanted to add about that? I did. So mom just recently... Uh, got his newest book on First and Second Thessalonians. That's your new. Is this your newest study that newest you did? Yeah. That's out. And I just wanted to read a little bit of it because as I was just kind of skimming through and reading, because she doesn't let me read them until she's done. So she's, uh, <laughs> and then I have to make sure I give the books back. My mom is a huge fan, by the way. But um, I think Brother John knows that. But I just wanted to read this little part because, as Tabitha mentioned, you know, we just finished up our. Fruit of the Spirit series, and I just kind of picked this up and thought, I don't know, let me just share this part in his book. But um, so he says, our walk is just as important as our talk, which is plainly explained throughout the New Testament. Several words are used to describe this worthy walk. Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, pleasing, fruitful, increasing, strengthened, patience, joyfulness, fulfilling, And glorified are just a few of the words depicting the worthy walk of a Christian. Two walks are mentioned in the Bible for the Christian, set at opposing extremes. Our walk as a Christian will either be one of an example before others, or our walk could make us seem like an enemy of the cross of Christ. And the choice is ours. Will we live as an example or as an enemy? And I just, when I read that, I'm like, man, that just sums up our whole fruit of the spirit series and how we're supposed to walk with God, how others are supposed to see our walk. Yeah. Don't just talk the talk, right? Walk the talk. So, well, brother John, where can our listeners find all of your studies? Um, right now on Amazon, go on Amazon, type in Dr. T John Dale and all of my books are listed there that are published and uh, I'm 
presently working on the book of Acts, volume one, getting that manuscript ready for print. And I'm working on, on the manuscript of Acts, volume two. So a lot, lot going on that I'm yeah. working on. I'm going back and trying to rewrite some of my earlier prints. But anyway, you can find it all there on Amazon. And we're going to put links to all of the books in our show notes as well as our website. And I'm going to tell you, if you are looking to study the Bible and you're looking to gain wisdom, pick these books up. They, I, I promise you, I've read two or three myself and they are great reads. So John, Debbie, we cannot thank you both so much enough for coming so in and speaking with us. It's It's really been I can't wait to go back and edit this, honestly, because I'm like, I want to get this out there. So thank you both so much for coming in and being with us. Everybody, make sure you go follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, as always, a sincere desire to become purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.